everyone. Welcome back to Back to the Past, the Alternate History Podcast. This is Season 4, Episode 12 of the podcast. So today, we are talking about a really interesting topic that has changed modern history the way we know it today. And what is that, you might ask? Well, it's relevant to the Soviet Union, and specifically, the power transfer that happened after Lenin's death. But first, before we get onto the topic, I wanted to talk to you about a podcast that's relatively similar to ours, and I really appreciate if you check it out. It's called it's called Tea Time Thoughts by Carolyn, and essentially what she talks about is she discusses her thoughts and insights on history, literature, and the cultural arts while discussing about tea and drinking as well. So it's a very personal podcast, and essentially she gives her own flair to it. And so, for example, one of her, her recent episodes is talking about the Great Gatsby, and another one is talking about the Blood Countess, Lady Dracula, which is based off real history, but there was some myths and stuff that kind of altered it, that made it what it is today, the Dracula, you know, the very fear, bloody thing. But now let's get on to the episode. So today we are going to be talking about what if Trotsky came into power instead of Stalin. All right, guys, so let's get into a little bit of historical context here. So in the year of 1924, Vladimir Lenin dies, and this creates a huge crisis in the Soviet Union because it's really unknown who is – well, it's not really unknown. Actually, it's predicted that Trotsky would be the next leader of the Soviet Union during the time period. And in a sense, the reason why it didn't happen in our timeline is mainly because of the fact is that Stalin's position was probably the best position you could possibly be in if you wanted to be a, a, uh, a maniac or on the grab power similar to Stalin. Stalin's position effectively allowed him to promote, promote anybody who believed in his point of view. And that's, specific, that's really just how Stalin actually won during the time period is mainly because of the fact that he was able to have enough high-ranking members in, a, in order to secure his power. And it's usually argued that Stalin didn't really take power until 1928, as we know. So while Trotsky was viewed as the logical successor in a sense because you know he led, he led the Red Army during the Civil War, and – it was much more well-known. Yeah, Stalin took over, basically. And so in our scenario, we're going to look at what a Trotsky took, took over. And I think one of the things we have to, to look at is how Trotsky and Stalin viewed the Soviet Union and communism differently. So tr as we know in our actual history, Stalin was more of a socialism in one country area, nation. In a sense, he promoted socialism in Russia only. Meanwhile, we see with Trotsky having, Trotsky having a similar – mentality to workers of the world unite where we see for example Tr trotsky is uh basically as in a sense he's promoting world revolution amongst the workers and i think that is really one of the the big things we could potentially see some communist uprisings later on but overall i think we should look at the fact that trotskyism and stalinism is is quite different it's it's a little bit not quite different but it's different enough to where they're they have different names in a sense and I mean, for example, we even see Trotskyism carry on into the 1960s with the Fourth International and other things. That's, and so we still see a relative divide between Stalinism and Trotskyism today. And so overall, I think we should talk about first the domestic policy. So how do you think domestic policy would shape out Rohan? So before going into your point, I just wanted to clarify something. So Stalin was for world communism, but... He wanted to have a perfect state first. He wanted the Soviet Union to be perfect, and he didn't really believe that communism needed to be spread so quickly and so rapidly like Trotsky did. Trotsky, 
His goals were more about bringing the whole world under communism. He thought there couldn't be a perfect communist state until the whole world was communist. So instead of really focusing more on fixing up the Soviet Union in terms of the communist government, he was more focused on using violence if necessary, and he was not hesitant at all to use violence, spread communism, force peasants revolutions all across the world. So Trotsky definitely was more of a world revolutionary. And he felt it had to happen as soon as possible. While Stalin thought that he could wait, he wanted to consolidate his power. He wanted to industrialize the Soviet Union. We can see that that in the 30s and the 20s, he industrialized the Soviet Union, of course, with the cost of many lives because there was improper management. There wasn't enough food. But you can see that Stalin is central planning, met- basically. That's let's just get that. Out yes, there. central planning. Yes. So Stalin is trying to essentially start the economy up, and he's trying to focus on the Soviet Union itself. Well. Trotsky would have had a more free market type economy at the beginning like Lenin did as they're focusing more on spreading the revolution to the outside world. But now going on to your point about domestic policy, one thing I want to stress is that Trotsky isn't any nicer than Stalin. He would kill people if necessary. As I mentioned, he is not hesitant on using force. Would there be a great purge though like Stalin? I don't think so. And there wouldn't be a Hlodomer as well to versify the Ukrainians. But Trotsky would not hesitate at all to kill anyone or make you know people disappear, send them to the gulags, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I don't think, though, there would be collectivization as early on or as intense as there was with Stalin. And for that matter, I think some the market would initially be a free market economy, like I was talking about before. Because Stalin, Trotsky's economic policies were similar to Lenin, and the country needs to get its foot down on the ground first and use a free market economy. So what I feel is that the beginning years especially are going to look significantly different. And yeah, so I think Trotsky is going to really give me consolidating his power like Stalin, but he's not going to industrialize the same way Stalin did. And as I mentioned, a free market economy, while really pushing for more interventionist foreign policy, unlike Stalin, who was a little more isolationist. I mean, don't get me wrong, he did send troops to the Spanish Civil War, but Trotsky, for example, would, in my opinion, commit a much more resources into Spain or support a Polish revolution, for example, the peasants, right? So he would really be out of his way to support peasants in all across these different countries, like France, for example. Yeah, I, I definitely see what you mean. And uh, I, I find this very interesting as a fact, and I'm really not going on here to attack like leftists in a sense. But one thing I do find very interesting is because nowadays, for example, we do find, for example, increasing divide between, for example, eco-socialism, which is basically, I would say, more basically almost pro-farmer in a sense, and more so like, you know, industri- industrialized socialism, where they tend to favor the labor a bit more, labor a bit more. And I think you bring up a great point in a sense that that's, you know, that's at a point where I could still say socialism was for the farmer and for the laborer in a sense. Furthermore, I think we should first attack your domestic issues in a sense. And if we're, if we're looking at, for example, Trotsky, domestic issues and how he would handle it, I think I don't think we could call that a free market in a sense. I think, for example, if we look at Lenin's new economic policy or NEP, as it was known, effectively, it was more so of a state. The best way to define it from what I've looked into it, at least, would be a state capitalist in a sense. To where it wouldn't be exactly full, it wouldn't be exactly a full free market in a sense, but it would be it'd be heavily regulated basically by the state in this in in proper terms. And so one of the things that Lenin also argued for in a sense would be that 
that state capitalism was a transition to socialism, which was a transition to communism in a sense. So I do I do like where you're going with that, but at the same time, though, I think we should also look at the fact that Trotsky was definitely not an was not an angel as some people like to put him out to be. He was cruel. He was ruthless. And I mean, you wouldn't put somebody who wasn't cruel and ruthless at, at the head of a, the Red Army, especially during the Russian Civil War. I mean, look at what we did, what what happened with America, specifically with uh, William Tecumseh Sherman. I mean. You could, I mean, you can say that he committed war crimes in in the south of these, and so I'm not going to get too much into that. But it's just another c- comparison you can make in a sense towards position, like positions during times of great great national stress. And I think, for example, civil wars are basically the height of great national stress. And I think, furthermore, I think let's get back into your domestic policy. Now, I, I do, I don't know if Trotsky, Trotsky would be especially pushing for as collectivization as much as say Stalin, but I definitely do see him collectivizing earlier in the thir- definitely not earlier, but I definitely see, do see Trotsky pushing for collectivization at some point. And another thing I actually like is that you were talking about how he was more aggressive in terms of foreign policy. And I think that's a that's that's what we're gonna get on to next. So I've watched other basically historians or people who are into history take give their point of view on this. And something I found interesting was the fact is that Instead of Stalin waiting for Germany to for them to attack, right, waiting for Germany to attack in 1941 with with Operation Barbarossa, Trotsky would perhaps be the first one to attack. And so I I want to get into that question and see if that would actually play out. But I, I think before we do that, I think we should also address the fact that I do like the fact that you definitely did point out he was a lot more, in a sense, expansion not really expansionist, but more so he wanted to play a bigger role in the world. Instead of just being a little bit more isolationist and laid back as, as Stalin. And another problem I do think that I do like that you mentioned was specifically the fact that with collectivization specifically is that while Stalin's four years plan four year plans definitely could be said to have helped the Soviet Union, they killed millions through forced collectivization and other practices that effectively hurt not even just the just the, the farmers in general in a sense. And so overall, I do agree with basically everything you said, as a matter of fact, and I do want to propose this question to you. How do you think Soviet foreign policy would especially affect the 30s and the 40s? Because I do think we see would see a, a, potentially a second Red Scare in the, the 1930s as we see the rise of Trotsky as a much more of an internationalist socialist in a sense, if you get what I mean. Oh, yeah. And said second Red Scare would be like a genuine Red Scare, not like the one in the 1920s, where it was like the early 1920s. Was well, yeah, like it, was mainly, it was mainly driven by the fact that immigrants, mainly Italians, Jew, Italian immigrants, Jewish immigrants, and more so Eastern European immigrants were coming in at high and high rates, for example. And we did see, for it's example, like, yeah. and I think that these were kind of lo- – I wouldn't say logical, but I'm saying if we're taking it a point of view of the 1920s, you could say they were, I guess, logical because, for example, there's a – for example, we saw in 1901, Leon – I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. I'm sorry. If, if somebody wants to pronounce the last name, you can go right ahead. But he effectively was a assassin of William McKinley, and he was a self-avowed anarchist. And I think that that was also that also kind of begin to, began to sow the fears of uh, not not just anarchism, but really just socialism and communism in the United States. And going on to the 1920s, as we see, well, he was born in Michigan in a sense, but he was a he was a Polish. He was actually from Poland, as a matter of fact. He was a Pol- He was a, I defined as Polish American, actually. And so I think that logical fear, especially only a, a generation, I guess, 20 years after the death of a president because of a Polish anarchist, 
would really would really kind of stain the left the leftward movement in a sense. I'm talking about socialist socialism, communism, anarchism. So I think specifically with him, I think that could also be part of the reason why we see that red scare rise in the 1920s. And then also with the immigrants as well. So I do I do like the fact that you also would point out that the Red Scare is going to be greater in the 1930s because I think there would be a legitimate communist threat. Now, the question is here. As we know in World War II, Hitler was determined to get Britain, Britain and the United States turned against the Soviet Union in a sense because, because they would say, oh, this, they're the bigger problem, not us. So I, I think it'd be very interesting, especially if, for example, say the situation in 1940, 1941, when you could say a hypothetical Trotskyite invasion of Germany would happen. Correct. I'm curious to see how Britain, for example, would react. I I definitely could see them, in a sense, working with the Soviet Union. But at the same time, though, if we're still if we're still having that red scare, I don't think I don't think it would just be simply oh we should we, we can work with the Soviet Union. We're allies. And before we before I might pass it on to you to give your your input, I think an also an important thing to the thing to see is that, for example, FDR and to an extent Harry Truman actually after World War II view, viewed the Soviet Union as a potential ally. It was only by the year 1946-1947 where Truman began to see, oh, the Soviet Union is not our friend at all. And so I think that we would have a little bit more of a, a 1946-1947 Truman-esque kind of. Uh, view of the Soviet Union during that time period in a sense where we want it, we would want to contain them. So I think containment might actually be adopted earlier if, say, Britain and the United States were going to go after Germany instead of hitting on Russia. So I'm going to turn it over to you now, Rohan, because I've taken up enough of your time. I think that Germany might try not to anger the West as much because Germany knows now that the Russians have a higher probability of invading Germany than under Stalin. Not even though... Hitler's paranoia suggested that Stalin would have invaded. Stalin, honestly, was probably not going to invade if Hitler respected the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact. But Trotsky, on the other hand, is going to invade because of his personality and his he needs to spread communism anywhere, everywhere. He sees fascist Germany and fascism as a whole a very threat to him, even more of a threat than capitalism, the system they're fighting. Because fascism, their whole unifying thing is we are not communists. So I think Germany might try not to anger off the West because they could use the West as a potential ally against the Russian expansion. And I think the West could go either way with this because if Germany continues what they do and they invade Poland, they would go to war with Germany. But now they're at an issue because the communists are also at war with Germany. And it's really to see who can get to Berlin first and who can take the most amount of land. And it's going to become a messy Cold War after that. I think the Cold War would be a lot more tense. Or we can go the other route where the West instead sides with Germany and it becomes an even bloodier World War II against the Russians. And I would say probably the Spanish as well because, in my opinion, he would send enough aid to the communist groups in Spain for them to take power during the Spanish Civil War, but that's just me. What do you think, Nick? Uh, that's an interesting scenario because I don't know too much about the Spanish Civil War. I'll openly admit that. So I can't really answer your question to the fact that if the communists would take over in Spain. But uh, I think it does provide two interesting split pathways that we could take in this scenario because it all depends on who America and to an extent Britain believes to be the bigger threat. Is it um, the same? I don't, I, don't, I don't want to interrupt, but I don't think France would collapse in this timeline to the communists. So. 
I'm I'm talking about uh, because if we're saying Hitler still invades, you're taking the situation in 1941. No, if right? Hitler still invades, then the West is against I, Germany. Yeah, but I'm thinking even okay, even okay. still to a certain extent. I don't know if the reason yeah, why I don't I'm think they'd be friends that, with the communists, but like they'd still be against Germany. You know what I mean? Um, I think it honestly would depend. Honestly, in my opinion, I think it would depend. And the only reason why I say that is I get the fact that they may be at war, per se, but at the same time, we don't know exactly what, how much of the Red Scare would grip the American people, yeah. or the British people, as a matter of fact, too. And I mean, I mean, we saw the rise of French communism, actually, during the 30s, but then it eventually collapsed over time as the, as the movement grew less and less popular. But so I, then, I, it's a hard so question then, to answer because yeah. – I think even if the Germans were to say invade France, right, and to kept and to take over France, I, I still find it hard to say. Uh, well, yes, Germany is going to be that Germany. So then maybe there could be, the be like an threat. under the deal table where the, it's it's the almost like what, what I'm Poland, thinking. They release France. You know what I mean? Because the, the Germany I'm never wanted to go to that, war with the West. Yeah, the, the the point I'm saying is that, and I'm going to take it from Stalin's point of view. Now, and I know it's just a video about what if Trotsky, you know, took over Stalin's position, but I'm gonna take it from Stalin's point of view. And simply, one of his biggest fears, and especially this was realized when Rudolf Hess actually flew over to Great Britain, was that not realized, but more so feared, is that even even caused greater paranoia, is that, that he believed that the West was simply work was going to work with Germany to kill the the socialist the Bolshevik experiment, in a sense. And that was one of Stalin's greatest weakness. The difference is, would Trotsky be paranoid enough to believe that? But at that point, he would be invading. But at that point, would Trotsky be paranoid enough to believe it? And I, I think it brings up an interesting point because I think number one, with a more a more hostile communist regime, I think Hitler would would not be as willing, in a sense, to uh, compromise. Because I mean, while Russia definitely could propose, could not propose, could while Russia could pro pose a threat to Germany, correct? Stalin was much more laid back with his situation in the sense to where he only wanted to regain the territories of mostly regain the territories of former Russia. And this is, for example, we saw with the acquisition of Eastern Poland. We saw this with the acquisitions of the Baltic states. And we also saw this with aggression towards Romania with the taking of Moldavia. And like I said, I simply, I simply believe in this scenario that Stalin's fears may be realized, but I mean, in the form of Trotsky instead invading Germany. And in a sense, we could see a maybe a Rudolf Hess actually going over to negotiate willingly, known by Hitler. And in the sense that I don't know if the, the Allies would simply want to see Russia roll over Germany. And I don't know if we're going to say that Russia's industrial capacity is less in 1941. Would Trotsky's army, would the Trotsky's Red Army be more prepared to invade Germany? Or even just fight back against Germany. I think, see, if Germany doesn't get themselves in a mess by getting to war with the Allies, I think it's definitely an interesting scenario because even though the Russians were prepared um, equipment-wise when Operation Barbarossa happened, they weren't prepared mentally and they weren't there in troop placements. But Trotsky's troops would be there. So I think the, I don't think the Germans would be able to get a serious advance, even though they have tanks and stuff. I think Trotsky's troops, since they are ready, and you gotta cons you gotta consider that also Trotsky's gonna have 
allies in Europe as well. As I mentioned, I think Spain would go communist. So southern, uh, so Spain can start harassing Allied and German placements in France, moving troops there as well. But I don't think Germany would be able to steamroll Russia because of the fact that the Russian troops are ready, and simply because of that fact. Oh, I 100% agree. I don't think that I don't think that Russia would simply be steamrolled over Germany. But my question more so is to think whether or not Russia is going to be could potentially in fact invade Germany. So I think it depends on how those first weeks of the war go. Because if we do see Russia in, in not invading but advancing into Germany, I'm talking specifically you know Poland, and I would assume at this point stop. He means Trotsky would incorporate the Eastern Baltics. So I think that could potentially make the allies fear, especially with this increased red scare during this scenario, during this scenario, I think we could potentially see that Rudolf has still come to place. Cause I'm, I'm taking the point of view that I think regardless whether or not, regardless whether or not Germany's at war, there could potentially be a peace deal made with the allies or at least a, a truce I'd say. And then they would turn their heads to Russia. Now that for example, doesn't, Ignore the fact that America would still be fighting Japan in this scenario because I guarantee you Pearl Harbor would still happen regardless because of the fact that Pearl Harbor was basically inevitable, in my opinion, mainly because of the fact the American oil embargo hurt Jap- the Japanese so terribly. It was about – I think they got 90% less oil than they originally did in Iraq. would get got 90% less oil than they did before the oil embargo from the United States. So effectively, Japan had no choice. They had to either A, stop their aggression or B, you know, or B, just – Bomb Pearl Harbor, I guess, or bomb, or bomb the United States, or really just hurt. I just say hurt the United States. But I, I, let's get out of that conversation. But still, overall, I think this proposes a very interesting scenario. And I don't, I don't know if we could potentially even agree on the fact of whether, whether or not we would see the Allies stick with the Russians in our, in like in our actual history, or we would actually potentially see even the Allies team up with Germany in order to, in order to defeat Bolshevism, Bolshevikism. You know what I mean? So I think there's actually a higher chance that the Allies would team with the lesser evil in their eyes, the Germans. And because the Allies really didn't have a fear for fascism, they were just upset about Germany, you know, ruining the balance of powers in Europe and going to war with other people and demanding territory. But they didn't have a fundamental fear for the ideology like they did with communism. So I think that they would regard communism as a greater evil and i think they would team up with the germans in order to stop trotsky and trotsky is a genuine threat to the entire world as well because with his policies of world revolution he would be funding revolutions across the world like he would have peasants he would fund militias in the united states for example communist militias or canada you know i mean to so be fair he, in our timeline the communist the cpusa was funded by stalin in the soviet union it, so. was, it was funded by the kgb i mean by the nkvd correct but their goal wasn't for overthrowing the government their goal was just spying and reporting back to moscow well yeah i mean they were basically in effect i mean stalin called them gullible idiots really or i'm just yeah i'm paraphrasing but you it's basically in a sense referring to them as stupid Another thing is I definitely do like – I think definitely we do agree the fact that I think that they would team with Germany. And I mean keep in mind the Holocaust is not known in this scenario because if the Holocaust was known, I think that would definitely influ- – might influence the United States and Britain a little bit more mainly because of the fact is that – I mean heck, they're, they're, they're literally killing off an entire people. It, it's, it's something that's even un, unheard of at such a massive scale, but – I think overall, with with the ignorance in this scenario, I think that we would see 
I would definitely agree that we would team up with the fascists instead. And I think one thing important to note is that I would say the one difference between not the one difference, but the, one of the important differences between fascism and socialism, and I, that would appeal, say, to the to the Americans and the British a little bit more, is the fact that in in a sense they have a free market where private business business ownership is allowed. But the difference is, is that it's really just heavily state regulated, and the nation tells them what to do. And the nation, I mean, is just the huge government that Nazi Germany would have, Nazi Germany or fascist Italy. So I think we would see. I think I would agree with you that we definitely would see a little bit of a team up. So yeah, I think so. I think you, Rohan and I were agreeing this because we were talking about this a little bit more before because I think we were kind of in between whether or not we, that we would side with the Russians with Trotsky, or we would side with Hitler and the Nazis and or Mussolini and the, and the Italians. And so overall, we I think we we definitely agree on this. So I think what would happen potentially is that I think we'd see containment happen in this scenario, some like a Truman-esque policy of containment. But instead of it's being covering all of Asia in a sense, like China, the PRC. The DPRK, the, the uh, North Korea, basically, and the Soviet Union, along with eventually Vietnam, Laos, Southeast Asia. I think overall we would see socialism actually seen as the third way, because when you hear the third way, it's typically referred as fascism in a sense. And I think that's, I think in a sense that we would kind of see the regressing of, in a sense, socialism to that role of the third way, and fascism take up the capitalism versus fascism, which one's better. And I think this would honestly create like an example of a three-way cold war with basically a two-way cold war, but with one lesser power, the lesser power, of course, being the Soviet Union. I don't think the Soviet Union would fall apart in this timeline. I'm talking at least from the war. They could potentially fall apart, and I think they would have potentially fall apart as time goes on as like they actually did despite winning the war. But overall – and I think overall, I think we were talking about this before. If it was to happen, Mohan and I kind of came to a consensus here is that – it would be a much more, I'd say, a little bit more of an interesting world because of the fact is that it provides three great powers who potentially could shape the world. Although I really say two great powers because I don't, I wouldn't consider Russia as potentially shaping the world, except the fact that they would be funding hostile peasant revolutions. Overall, that is it for this episode of Back to the Past, the Alter History Podcast, and we thank you very much for sticking with us, and I hope everybody here had, had a happy new year. As we know, we're, ha- we're going into our third year, actually, of Back to the Past, the Alter History Podcast. If you didn't know, we, st- we me, Rohan, and originally Tej started this podcast around, what was it, July of 2020, and it's been a wild ride, man. I mean, we've had tons of delays, we've had... We've had like we've had a lot of seasons at this point. It's crazy to think it's been almost three years. Um, and I have to say I'm glad to be sticking it out here with you guys, and I'm glad to see that you guys are still watching our content, man. It's amazing to see how many fans we just have, we have. Overall, uh, thank you very much for watching this episode once again. And yeah, also also check out our social media and at Back to the Past P1 on Twitter and Instagram. Again, it's at Back to the Past P1, and I hope you guys have a great day.